It's controversial. Having that guy around is the, the best thing that ever happened to the squad. If you have the right mix of autism and steroids, all these pundits and whatnot, a lot of people doubting me, you know. I don't want to fucking have a conversation while I'm showering, you know, like, the hobby I do is already so gay. You are now listening to the El Segundo Podcast with Craig Jones. Guys, B-Team is live on Submatter. You might be asking yourself, I've wasted so much money downloading BJJ Fanatics instructionals. Why would I get this as well? This is going to be more interactive. Q&A. We're going to answer all your questions like, are you gay? Why are you wearing a geisha outfit? We're going to have technical rolling breakdowns. We're going to go in depth. You're going to have Nikki Ryan technically breaking down exactly what's happening in the round. And you'll also have Nikki Rod saying things. B-Team is live on Submatter. Episode 15 of the El Segundo podcast, we're celebrating a quarter million downloads off of uh, 14 episodes, which we're pretty proud of, um, but we're probably pretty inconsistent. We wanted to do one a week. I think we worked it out that it's like our average is maybe one every two weeks if we're lucky. Week and a half, it seems like, yeah. yeah. I'm just traveling too much. Like well, The plan was... And I'm sorry to disappoint, but we were trying to get Genki Sudo in Japan. I'll talk a bit more about Genki later, but that didn't come together, unfortunately. So this is the first one, but we're trying to recap everything uh, that happened, right? So we're just in Japan. Japan would be my favorite destination I've ever been. This is my fourth, I believe it was my fourth or fifth time to Japan. Uh, basically, Tokyo and Hamamatsu. I used to, I visited once the Satoshi Brothers in Hamamatsu, Hamamatsu, I think it's the place in the world with more um, Brazilian immigrants mm -hmm. than anywhere else. And I believe Sao Paulo has more Japanese immigrants than anywhere else in the world. They have like this worker transfer. So I believe that's why you'll see um, a lot of Japanese people in Brazil, a lot of mixed Japanese-Brazilian people around the world and stuff, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool trade. You know, the Satoshi brothers and stuff living in Hamamatsu. If you guys, if you guys are new to the sport, go back and watch – Roberto Satoshi highlights. That guy is incredible. Yeah. And a really good MMA fighter. He's still now. fighting MMA, right? Fights for Ryzen. Yeah, Ryzen. I think uh, pursuing the money in Ryzen. Sadly, Ryzen never uh, gave me the Gabby Garcia call. Oh, fuck. But I hold out hope, nevertheless. Yeah. But yeah, I'm trying to think. Japan is the best. If you, one time I competed in Quintet on a Wednesday and I competed in New York on the Saturday. And I tell you what, if you fly. From Tokyo to New York, you think you're entering a third world country. Like the contrast of how polite, kind people are, at least superficially in Japan, as opposed to New York, is crazy. Like New York, if you get to a counter and you don't know what you want, they'll tell you to go fuck themselves. <laughs> in Japan, like you could leave your wallet on the street and no one would steal it for days. You know, like it's just absolutely yeah. insane. The food in Japan... Best best food really I've ever had in the world. Uh, they even get the coffee right, which most American places unfortunately don't do. I don't complain about that anymore, though, because every Australian that comes to America has the same statement. Oh, the coffee's way better back home. It's like, fuck. It's like it's the most sort of unoriginal shit, even though we all do it. <laughs> we come here and critique the coffee. Unfortunately, enough of us critique it. Nobody ever, no American ever learns how to make it, you know. Or you could be like me, you don't drink it at all, then you don't have to, you don't have to critique anything. 
That's yeah, that's true. You're addicted to other things, man. A lot of things. Um, yeah, but yeah, Japan's the best, the best fucking place. We got to do some really cool shit uh, out in Japan, outside of obviously being a part of Quintet. So like, we got to go into the sumo stable. Oh yeah, which is a super privileged experience. Like a lot of, I, I saw some people on the internet being like, "Yo, I want to do that when I go to Japan." We only got to do that because Heisen Reed is like a celebrity out mm-hmm. there. He had a match, a sumo wrestling match against the proper pro sumo. He got his ass kicked. Oh, wow. But he created the connection. I, what is the – I'm trying to remember the sumo guy's name. But he's considered – he's a Mongolian sumo who's considered the greatest sumo wrestler in history. Uh-huh. And obviously, that's a sport that spans so long. But we went to his stable and got to see uh, how the training session ran. And then we got to participate a bit at the end. So – when the stable master was there, um, there was no joking around. Like, we couldn't be idiots at all. But as soon as he left for the day, it was free again. We got to go get into the outfits and stuff uh, and have a good time with the sumo guys. But, yeah, those guys are massive. Like, the guy I was wrestling with was 370 pounds. So, the guy you fucking did the, the leg lock on? Yeah, did the leg lock on. I'm, like, and, again, I was shocked because I was just like, yo, fuck it. Let's see if they're keen for this. Yeah. And they were down for it. That's like, so funny. So, I mean, that place during the training session, mm-hmm. there was no joking around. One guy was late and the, and the sumo, the stable master was like, don't ever be late again or I'll kill you. I was <laughs> like, oh, yeah. fuck, brings me back to DDS memories. You know? But um, <laughs> that was a crazy experience. We did the sumo stuff. We went down, we showered with him. Felt inadequate, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, it was also, we, we didn't get to see the sumos go live for two, I think three times a year. Over a two-week period, they compete every day, mm-hmm. sumo championships. But again, the stable we went to, the uh, stable master is the greatest ever. I think he's got over a thousand victories. Oh, sure. I think it's a thousand victories in like 1,100, 1100 matches, and he's got like the second longest winning streak ever in terms of consecutive matches. Like just top tier. And again, we're not talking jujitsu where. The record books go to 1996. We're talking hundreds of years yeah. of sumo wrestling. It Jesus. was good to feel them too, like because it's like obviously they look fat, but they're actually fucking. They're gonna be strong as fuck. Crazy strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got to give uh, props to Heisen <clears throat> for arranging that. I was actually quite hungover the day we did it, and I've I've been having some shoulder troubles. And when this we did some training drill, where the guy was like, "Yo, push this 370 pound guy across the sand and I injured myself, injured my shoulder immediately." <laughs> I was like, that's a bad, a bad mistake. But other cool shit we got to do in Japan, obviously buying the used panties. Yeah. Was, why? So what was that like? Because that's been blown up on the internet. Yeah. So that's now my most viewed Instagram reel ever. We had the steroids and autism bit, mm-hmm. but now the used panties have surpassed it. And what's crazy is this is like this thing in, it's like a donkey show in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, is it real? Isn't it real? Uh, some YouTube vloggers and stuff say it's absolutely not real. I can say for a fact that you can still buy used panties in multiple uh, destinations. The place we went to was like a six-story sex store. Yeah. And the panty options were like uh, two days, period blood. I don't want to say what the third one is because this video could get demonetized. <laughs> but I thought it was all funny. You know, like I pressed the, I put in a 1,000 thousand yen. The panties come out. I smell them immediately. I smell them. They smell pretty funky. That was a sincere reaction, you know? Not a good actor. smelled that before. And then we took him outside and Hal was like, yo, 
open them up right now. And I'm like, whoa, we're in front of a Starbucks. Like, there's a bunch of Japanese people looking at me. And then I open the thing and I realize, wow, they're sealed in a plastic thing and they still smell that strong. Oh, fuck. So I open up the plastic and, bro, these things smell potent, right? Interesting thing about Japan as well, plays in this story, is there's no trash cans anywhere. It's so hard to find a trash can. A lot of times vending machines will have a little one next to it, but man, like there's no trash on the streets anywhere at all, but there's no trash cans. There's a reverse correlation between garbage cans and garbage on the streets. So what do people do? Do people just don't carry stuff? They they either drink it, dispose of it straight away. away. Like it's real strange. Like you'd be in a hotel lobby, you can't find it. So imagine I've opened these panties. They (laughs) smell terrible. The bag, they came out of this small Ziploc bag. There's no way... I was going to attempt to put them fully back in the bag because I would have to touch the period yeah. blood stains on the underwear. So I'm carrying this around in this humid heat. These things have been marinating in the vending machine for God knows how long. And bro, it's like it's around me was smelling. It was fucking singeing my nostrils, eh? And like for, a, I thought it'd be funny for content. Like, oh, what if I throw these at Nikki Ryan? But it was, they smelled so bad that I was like, yo, that could end a friendship. Yeah, you know? he's fucking done with you. <laughs> like, that's not a fucking laughing matter, eh? So I held on to these things for like 15 minutes. Eventually went into like this electronic store and I threw them in the trash can that was in the bathroom. But that was also, yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. That's just so bizarre. Oh People criticize, like this Japan sex store had so much strange stuff. Like you wouldn't believe. They got weird like tentacle porn and yeah. stuff. <laughs> they got a lot of pocket pussies. A lot of pocket pussies over there. They had the Tenga. It'd be good if we got sponsored by Tenga. Yeah. These things yeah. were everywhere. Uh, I personally have never tried one. You'll never see me on the seat again. You see, <laughs> yeah. uh, something I, I do now. I think, you know what? A single use pocket pussy is allowed. You know, you tell me you got a single use one, but you tell me you're fucking a pocket pussy reusing it. I'm looking at you different. You know? <laughs> I'm all for the single use one. I uh, I asked Jay because the first day he came back, of course, we asked him. And he was like, "Oh yeah, we went to the sex shop." And he's like, "It's like six floors or whatever. First floor anal, second floor I don't remember." He's like, "I was just stuck on floor one." <laughs> <laughs> so I found that shit so fucking funny. He must have had a fucking great time, dude. That store it had blowjob machines and stuff like that. Um, Jesus, wild stuff. Wild like stuff. in the store. Nah, a, like they sold them. Home. Yeah, okay, they had okay. a crazy bunch of sex. Up. Man, Japan's, everyone's got to go. Yeah, I can't emphasize. Obviously, it's a bad time to bring that up. But I can't emphasize enough how <laughs> cool this place is to check out. Um, but that was in a that's six story, six stories of sex toys. Jeez. So it's like it went deep, mostly for dudes. But yeah, tons of uh, tons of very bizarre stuff. Like Japan loves their porn over there. So they got a bunch of molded pocket pussies based on japanese porn stars really? of course me being such a pure soul didn't know didn't re- recognize any <laughs> names whatsoever and then the other thing we did out there we went to the muscle girl bar oh yeah so this is a place it's these they're called girl bars you got host bars where girls will go pay money to drink with guys that are basically flirting with them for money Girl bar is basically the same thing with women, which to me, again, shows the difference in culture because I couldn't imagine paying to talk to a woman. Yeah. You know, like I thought you would probably pay for the opposite sort yeah. of treatment, you know? But That's that, so funny. But the muscle bar was an interesting one because these girls were pretty jacked, like jacked compared to you, 
per se, you know. I mean, but, Jack compared to fucking any female that I've ever seen, but yeah. But they were squeezing grapefruits, um, and then they do some weird shit like they you'd pay to, and they kick in the butt uh, or, or slap in the slap face. Slap the shit out of you, yeah, like the so, they, so I got up, took my shirt off, put money in my mouth, and was hoping they'd slap the shit out of me. One of them got me a good one, but the rest of them were pretty weak. Are they holding you know? back? Yeah, yeah, they didn't go too crazy. We, we, I wanted them to though, you know. <laughs> I was about to start saying some racist shit, you know? Dana White has a whole pool of fucking athletes now for the slap league and shit now. Dude, now that is something I'd pay to watch. <laughs> but yeah, we were we were out. We're seeing some of the darkness. You know, we're out in Shinjuku. Shinjuku has a lot of weird shit. Um, a lot of weird... You know, that's the thing with Tokyo, right? Is all these places, like, they're not necessarily on Google Maps mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, there might be a Japanese version, but you just walk the street and... In the space of, even if you're in New York, there might be five different uh, entrances, different places, bars, restaurants, and stuff. In Tokyo, it would be like 20. You know, they build these five-story mm. buildings where every floor has maybe one to two or three different stores. Like, so there's just so much variety. It's like, it's endless. Like, you walk through Shinjuku, you could see absolutely anything going on in these buildings at any time. Like, it's so dense. One of the places we went to would be the coolest bar I've ever been to. We went to this bar. It had no advertising. We just walked past. We were like, what's this? Go inside, and it's this crazy cocktail bar where it's just one guy in there. And he's playing records. You can only sit at a table of up to two people, no larger groups, real chill vibe. And there's no menu. You just tell him. He'll just ask you some questions about what type of drinks you like, and he'll just whip something oh, up. Oh, shit. So he's in there hand-shaving ice cubes to perfectly fit the glasses and stuff. It's like the level of service in Japan is is wild. Everyone takes their job so seriously, does such a good job. Like no one in Japan feels like they're above the job they do. Mm-hmm. Like if you go to a 7-Eleven, um, that person takes such pride in that 7-Eleven. Like they just do such a good job. It's so clean. They take such good care of it and such pride in it. As opposed to like, I mean, I don't want to shit on other place i'm just saying how it's different yeah. but like you you might go to a place you, you go to cvs here and the guy that works there just fucking hates his job yeah doesn't want to do his job you really don't see a lot of that in japan they might hate it but they keep it to themselves and do such an incredible job but yes yeah, so much stuff to do out there you could never you couldn't even begin to scratch the surface of what sort of crazy stuff you could do you guys went for just what like a week yeah, we went for a week. We had to get our entertainment visa, so we are meant to go a bit earlier than Quintet, but then it took a while to get the entertainment visa, so we basically arrived, had to cut weight and compete mm. straight away. Obviously, we're there for Quintet. But the funny thing is, is like another thing that Japan's uh, has a rich history in sort of blocking is people with tattoos because mm. tattoos are so synonymous with Yakuza over there. Like it's synonymous with the criminal element that there's certain things you can't do. It's becoming much looser now. Okay, I was there 10 years ago. I didn't have visible tattoos then, only the rib piece. But now, like, uh, over the course of the trips, like one of the trips I was there with Gregor Gracie, and we went to a hot spring. So a hot spring, you walk in, have all these different bars, saunas, steam rooms, like this wild experience. Um, but we went in, and we kept, what did I, you're meant to be naked. They want you to be naked. It's strange. You, like, you're not allowed to wear swim swimsuits or anything mm-hmm. like that right so we went in i kept my rash guard on because i was trying to hide my tattoo the guy's like yo 
take your rash guard off. And then he saw that I had the rib piece and they're like, go get out of here. Oh, wow. Kicked us out straight away. Greg has tattoos, so they kicked him out too. This time, we were jet lagged. We had to cut weight that day, right? So this is a fucking stupid story. So we're up at like 4 a.m. It's me, Joseph, and Nikki Ryan. And we're sitting there in a 7-Eleven. We're having a coffee in a can. We're thinking about how we're going to cut weight that day. Are we going to train? What are we going to do? I get on Google. I see a hot spring that's open 24 hours. It says foreigner friendly. We can cover your tattoos with stickers. Oh. So I was like, fuck it, 4 a.m. Let's give that a crack. So we go there. Luckily, Joseph's friend, Lynn, speaks Japanese. So he was able to talk to the person at the front desk. And they gave us stickers to cover our tattoos. But I had to pretend I didn't have the rib piece because they were like only three stickers to cover the ink you have right so nikki's got a full sleeve joseph's got tattoos all over him so luckily we got in we paid our way at this point we had told j-rod and nikki rod yo come to this place when you wake up they woke up they're on their way we get in there we stick the stickers on we start cutting weight the was perfect to cut weight because the bars were so hot they had some minerals in there that drain the sweat mm. easy so we're cutting weight and then lynn walks in with j-rod so there's only four of us in there. And we're like, yo, what happened? Where's Nikki Rod? And he goes, so we're at the front desk and she says to Nikki Rod, do you have tattoos? And sees his arm. And she goes to hold up the sticker to his arm to see if it covers the tattoo. Yeah. And then he just flexes as hard as he can, <laughs> making the tattoo bigger. And she's like, nah, get, leave, get the fuck. <laughs> so I don't know if she was just like, this guy's a fucking yeah. asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if it was like, oh, he's definitely not going to cover it. But imagine we're in there, we're trying to minimize the amount of ink we have. So yeah. Nikki Rod decides to flex. It. So then all four of us now have to cut all the weight. Oh, dude, that, was, and, that sounds planned to me. And Nicky Rod's the biggest guy. And the funny thing about Nicky Rod, too, is when we first suggested Quintet, we said to everyone, hey, what's your weight now? What weight could you feasibly make, like, easy? Yeah. You know, we don't want to go crazy for this event. Nicky Rod writes, I'm 235 right now. And then Nicky Ryan busts him later that day, weighing in at 225. So Nicky Rod already told us, he's like, yeah, I can cut to 225. And we're like, fuck, can't you already are 225. <laughs> so we were, we were right into him about the um, his weight cut. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. But when we finally got the test scales at Quintet and we thought we were on weight, we had to cut another pound. Oh, fuck. So Nicky Rod's like, I got this. And he starts, goes for a run and does some burpees and shit. And then you guys will see because we're filming a documentary about it. He busts into the weigh-in area like he's a celebrity. He saved the day. He's throwing <laughs> shit. He's spitting on the floor. And he's like, yeah, cut, hey, cut a pound. <laughs> so That's Nikki, a team player right there, bro. Nikki, yeah, thank you. Nikki Ryan really <laughs> made a, a sacrifice for us. Nikki Ryan was so Nikki Ryan gets so funny. And Nikki Ryan's like, I ain't cutting any more weight. Like Nikki, I, I keep telling people, Nikki Ryan's Benjamin Button. So right now he's 20, but he's actually fucking physically <laughs> psychologically 80 yeah, years old that's fucked. we're just hoping he gets younger but yeah he was he was uh he was very upset about the weight cut but it wasn't a bad weight cut i dropped uh i think i dropped seven or seven pounds eight pounds that day that's fucking that's easy, easy in the sauna yeah it's a sauna session and a training session the most i've done is 20 pounds in 24 hours that's fucking crazy and that's bad i've done some bad weight cuts where i've had the 
heart palpitations, yeah. like you're shivering, you're, like you're getting the shakes. What one, the fuck did you cut 20 pounds for? for what, what event was that? Uh, one of the Polaris events. Oh, fuck, really? I did something happen where I got injured. I got sick and I had to <clears> cut <throat> it all at the last minute, but that was a bad idea. I cut, I cut it the night before, so I was trying to sleep, and because of my electrolytes were sort of, I think it's the electrolyte imbalance, I started like, Twitching shit. I'd look like you on a normal day. I'd be like, <laughs> I'd start twitching. And I could, but it was more inconvenience because I couldn't sleep. I was like, every time I was like trying to relax, I start shaking. So I don't know. Luckily, with the help of the fight dietitian, though, I never do yeah. anything stupid like that. 20 pounds in a day would it's, not. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Would not recommend. But what else about, oh, yeah, I'll get to Quintet later. But Genki Sudo. Genki Sudo is like a. Like basically like one of the, I've met a lot of, I've been lucky enough to meet a lot of famous people in my time, but Genki Sudo to me is probably the biggest legend, like fangirl moment ever for me. Really? Because this guy was, like if you go back and watch his grappling matches, he's using such advanced stuff in the early 2000s, like rolling truck uh, rolls. Hmm. He's using heel hook positions like outside Ashi, Arimi Ashi style heel hooks, inside heel hooks as well. He's doing rolling leg entries when people have rear body lock on him. So much of the stuff that we think came about maybe 2010, 2011, 2012, around that era, you see Genki doing it so long ago. There's this epic tournament called the West Side Submission Grappling Tournament where he submitted like six guys in a day. But I'm talking like flying triangles, crazy shit. Shit. You look at his style and you're like, man, this guy, he could have started grappling – a couple of years ago yeah, with this yeah. stuff. He was a he was a great all-rounder. He had wrestling, bottom game, leg locks. You know, he's like the modern grappler. But we were lucky enough to have dinner with him. But to give more insight into who this guy is, he fought in K1 kickboxing against guys like Albert Krauss. So some of the best kickboxers ever. He fought in MMA and he fought guys like uh, Kid Yamamoto. He choked out Mike Brown. He fought oh, in the yeah. UFC. He fought against Dwayne Ludwig. He had three fights in the UFC. He did ADCC. He faced off against Rodrigo uh, Gracie. Crazy. So extensive career, and he suddenly retires in the early uh, – if he was in his early 30s, just called it. One other fight, he fought against a Butterbean. So he told me the story <laughs> about Butterbean. Butterbean's like 350 yeah, pounds. fucking giant. Butterbean, you guys will know him from Jackass. Mm-hmm. He's knocked out so many people in boxing. But he fought Butterbean and he leg-locked uh, Butterbean, which is crazy, the, the size difference, because Genki's like 155 pounds. Yeah. And he, I, he, I asked him the story. I was like, yo, how did that happen? Like, did you want that match? Like, like how does a freak show like that come about? Because Japan was all about the freak shows back then. Yeah. And it worked because, again, they still had the, the largest live gate ever for an MMA event, 99,000 people. It would be broadcast. All of Japan would be watching these shows. And the biggest show every year was a New Year's Eve show where they might do a K1 kickboxing event, collaborate with Pride MMA. And these events would have mixed rules matches, mixed weight. They'd have MMA guys do kickboxing, kickboxers do MMA. Mm -hmm. Just wild shit. And again, in Japan, at that time, MMA was bigger than it's ever been. People were fucking crazy about it. Eventually... It's downfall came about because of uh, the Yakuza's involvement with these organizations was found out, and they lost their sponsors and TV deals. Mm. So it plummeted in popularity. But Genki said, he goes, I wanted to participate in the New Year's Eve show because that's the biggest event of the year. And the promoter goes, we only do heavyweights. This is a heavyweight-only card. And Genki's like, I'll fight a heavyweight. 
And then his management got together and they're like, will you fight Butterbean? He's like, I'll fight Butterbean. And you're like, man, this guy's (laughs) balls of steel. But he, yeah, crazy shit. Like, just mind-blowing to think that a guy that would compete in ADCC would have a kickboxing fight with Albert Krauss. Like, (laughs) no one's got that diverse talent really anymore. Like, just... I couldn't even think of anyone today. Yeah, I can't think of anybody either, yeah. But he retired from MMA and became a pop star. He had this group called World Order where they had these wild video clips where they were all dancing synchronized. It went, like, huge. World Order was huge uh, in Japan. Like, I'm talking 20, 30 million views on those uh, videos. And the music, obviously, very popular. But now he's a politician. Like, this guy's done so yeah. much. He's, Jesus. He's like an Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> figure, you know? Did, did he retire from MMA to do the fucking K-pop thing or or did he like so just this, found that? This is what's mind-blowing to me. His plan, because if you remember when he fought, he would always, he would have the flag, we are all yeah. one with all the world's the flags, flags yeah. on there, right? Which is really cool because, I mean, Japan, it can, it's, it can sometimes seem a bit, I'm not going to say racist. I don't want to go that down that path, but yeah. sometimes it is a bit closed off to yeah. non-Japanese. So for a Japanese guy to wave that flag is huge. Yeah. So welcoming to the rest of the world, like uh, celebrating that. His plan from day one was to get into politics. Oh, shit. He always wanted to be a politician and he always wanted to help people. But he said, hey, I'm not famous and I have no money. Those are the things I need to become a politician. So he told us he got into fighting because that's how he could build a name. And if, you, if you've seen his walkouts and the way he fights, so crazy, so exciting, so unique, he did that to become as famous as possible to help launch him into a career of politics. But he always, he preferred, he told us he preferred the pop stuff to fighting. Really? But he just felt like he had more potential in fighting. So it's like, like he literally took these fights to help propel himself into politics, yeah. to, to help people. Yeah, that's crazy. Like thinking big picture, like, you know, you never, not a lot of people fucking plan that far ahead, you know? Yeah. He fucking way, way far ahead. Um, I'm trying to just read some more stuff. Like uh, you guys might know him for his iconic tattoos, which is really interesting because Japan, again, like I was saying about tattoos, it's sort of closed off if you have tattoos. But I think he might be the only politician in Japan with tattoos. Yeah, but not surely. It's like he's usually wearing like long sleeve. Like yeah, he can cover them yeah. up. But it's still kind of a no, a really? no, no. Like um, they were saying, like if you work for a, a company over mm-hmm. there and you're in a high position, and they find a picture of you with a tattoo, oh, they could still fire you. Oh wow! Because it's so synonymous with uh, criminal organizations. That's so wild, dude. So with this, what we asked him, right? Because we were having dinner, and I was like, "Well, if your plan was always politics, why did you get tattoos?" And he said, he says he has a tattoo on his arm and his upper back. The one on the back's crazy. Um, but he had him in a position that he could cover it with a towel. Mm. And before he got the tattoos, he perfectly measured a towel on his back <laughs> and that it would perfectly cover the tattoos. So I guess like if he's in a hot spring, he yeah. could always keep it covered. Yeah, yeah. Which was fat. Like he, everything is genius. so planned yeah. out, you know? And he's like the way when he told us this stuff, he's basically speaking perfect English. Yeah. But, um, yeah, he's telling us all this stuff. He's got an iconic back piece, and it's the uh, Nazca lines. He's got this bird on his back. 
He said he got it when he lived in America for one year when he did that uh, submission grappling tournament, oh. but he hand drew it. Oh, wow. So it's like, it's just like a fascinating, fascinating character. I'm trying to remember what other crazy stories he told us. He was, yeah, basically these days doesn't watch any MMA. Really? Doesn't even pay attention. The only name he knew was McGregor. Oh, wow. He asked me what we thought of McGregor because he's like, obviously, Genki Suda fought for different reasons. Yeah. You know, suddenly he gets into that, that, into yeah. that sort of culture. So um, interesting, though, to have something be such a big part of your life that um, you're not even interested in watching it or following it, you know, like even locally, you know, like. He, he was, he's so dedicated to whatever he's doing at the time, though. So when he first stopped fighting, he, and he was doing the pop stuff, he was a wrestling coach for the local uh, Tokyo University Wrestling Club. And he said nowadays he just watches, oh. just watches wrestling. Who, who did he like come up under? I think it was like Bass Rutten or something. Yeah, he spent some time with Bass. He said to us, we asked him about that, and he said he was mostly a training partner for Bass because Bass was so injured at the uh -huh. time that he wanted a little guy to train with. Uh -huh. Um, which was which was interesting. Like obviously, Bass is just trying to protect his body. Another fascinating thing: he only had three fights in the UFC. I didn't get a hundred percent confirmation, but he was most of his career was in Japan. He said it was always a personal dream of his to fight in the UFC. Mm -hmm. So he had three fights. I think he went two wins, one loss. His last loss was semi-controversial loss to Dwayne Ludwig. Mm -hmm. He was killing Dwayne, and then it sort of the tide turned at the end. I'm not sure if Genki got tired, but the U.S. crowd were booing him, and he said that really affected him. That like the Americans were anti, uh, like foreigner. Yeah, and he said it, it coincided at the time with the Iraq War. So he was saying that the, he really felt like the Americans, like obviously patriotism can be misinterpreted sometimes. Yeah, and he really didn't like the boos. Japan, no one boos an MMA fight. Yeah. No matter what. The only time you boo in an MMA fight is if someone cheated. Okay. Did something, a blatant foul. Yeah. But he was saying it really shook him that the American audiences were booing him. And obviously he's like, he's for the people. So like if they're booing him, I think that sort of instigated his decision. To fucking move on. To go back to Japanese MMA where I felt, I guess he feels like he's more appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense, man. It's already hard enough as it is, right? So. What a fucking crazy guy, man. Yeah. that I mean, that's fascinating. Hey, like if you are a Pride fan, like if you guys haven't gone back and watched all Pride, it's like, man, that that to me was a pinnacle of MMA because obviously these days everyone's an athlete. Obviously, there's an entertainment factor too, but it's a different type of entertainment factor. Like back then, it was really like Japanese wrestling meets fighting, like there were characters and it was so big at the time, but Japanese MMA is nowhere near what it used to used to be. The biggest star I think Japan has right now is Tension. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his fucking name? Tension. The, his like, last name? Phenomenal. Oh, fuck. I can't remember his last yeah. name. But, yeah, most people just, I think that's just known as Tension. But the last big fight they had was Tension versus, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this either, Takaru, Takaru. Recent one, huge. I don't think I watched that one. But that was that cap that was the only fight in recent memory that captivated all of Japan. But even then, they had difficulties doing TV deals and stuff. But tensions moved across to boxing now. But I believe the numbers on that kickboxing fight greater than a lot of the UFC events. Like there was so much interest in that. But now tension's gone to boxing. So obviously, still in combat sports. And I think Takaru's gone to uh, one championship. So no doubt, probably see him and Rod Tang. But yeah, Japan MMA. Man, the absolute pinnacle. 
hanging out with Sakuraba. Sakuraba's such a cool dude, 54 years old. Still competes in Quintan. Yeah, that's fucking crazy, man. That's like, brave, man. Yeah. Like he's and he like you could tell he's uh he's getting up there in age. He he moves like he's that old, but still banging with like he faced what PJ Barge? PJ, yeah. What a fucking stud, dude. <laughs> Imagine facing the guy that plays fourth at ADCC at fifty four years old. Yeah. Mind blown. Yeah, stuff. yeah. That's good. Does he still? I wonder if he still smokes cigarettes. Still smokes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I asked him this, right? So, so he, I said to him, I said, "Yo, is it true you drunk and smoked your whole career?" And he's like, "Never more than eight cigarettes a day." Oh my god. He said, "Every athlete in Japan that's not track and field smokes cigarettes." Really? Mine are, I mean, he he might be out of touch. Maybe I don't, I don't know, but like that's that was his opinion on it. In LA, I trained with some Koreans, and uh, they would go in between rounds, like sparring rounds, and go smoke a cigarette sometimes. See, I like that. It's fucking legendary, yeah. <laughs> Open up the lungs. <laughs> no, I mean, it sucks when you're the fucking training partner, you have to roll with him next, and the guy just smells like a pack of cigarettes. That's true, that's true. But that might smell better than some people smell regularly, you know? <laughs> I'd rather fucking smell people's weed than uh, smell the puppet, you know. Sakuraba, probably, he probably was smoking before the event. This event was K1 coming back. And quintet on the side. So we had the K1 event first, and then next to it was the quintet event. The quintet crowd wasn't massive. It was a Sunday night, mm-hmm. and it was not in Tokyo. It was in Yokohama, so it was far out. Um, the K1 kickboxing crowd was pretty decent, but I remember hearing about it was on DAZN. I think peak concurrent viewers was over 80,000 for DAZN, just in Japan. Yeah. And then I know flow was super hyped with how it did. And you saw the numbers on YouTube. Like like we were talking about the other day, like Marigali's last match has been up a month. Mm-hmm. And this Less one team's bracket where there was no submissions is already far above that. Yeah, in like, like a couple days. hundred thousand more than like, yeah. Which is just shows, I think, the power of Quintet's yeah. branding. Yeah. But yeah, I'm pre- uh, as far as I know behind the scenes, that, that did crazy numbers. I so, wonder if it was like done... At a regular time for U.S. viewers, how much more, how much bigger those numbers would be, like at least live, anyways. Like yeah, concurrent. yeah, that'd that's be insane. Because people had to get up at what four a.m. to watch it. Yeah, I was up at four. Yeah. So that, yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Quintet's numbers huge. So I guarantee you, this is coming back in a big way. It's the spectacle again. It's when I'm facing someone that wants to stall me out, and like in a regular match, that's yeah. boring. But when you put in the team's dynamic, it's so exciting. You see, yeah. the, there's so much nervous energy on the side. Like, it's like, I'm watching my guys go out there and I'm like, like I'm like, fuck, come on. Like, yeah. let's fucking do this. It's so, yeah. you really feel like you have to carry the team on your back. Or if you lose, you're really letting the team down. Yeah. Um, we, and that's, it's funny because Nicky Ryan had this fucking tough match with Santiri. <laughs> Joseph Chen has a tough ass match with Tarek. Those guys are exhausted. I go out, have the Gregor match, can't finish Gregor, walk off stage. And the quintet ladies immediately like, yo, we need your order for the next event. Yeah. And both Joseph and Nikki Ryan were like, we can't go first. And I was like, oh, yeah, fucking great. Great. I'll just, uh, I'll jump back in. But luckily, the way everything matched up, I was able to uh, put them in a position that they didn't have to go again. Nikki Ryan being fatigued and it, me trying to protect Joseph for um, trials. Because yeah. Joseph was a bit hesitant to do the event, but... I was like, bro, I mean, we're going to smash it. Yeah. Obviously, we didn't smash it as much as we thought we would have, but I still really want to protect Joseph because obviously we saw we saw what he just did. But in terms of finishing up um, with Japan, 
quintet, best event to be a part of. Um, basically, John Danaher told the promoters literally to go fuck themselves. Wow. So when they reached out to me about potentially replacing him, I'm jumping in. You yeah. know, like Sakuraba is a fucking legend. He deserves all the respect in the world for what he's not only given us. And so like his Gracie Hunter legacy, all his fights throughout history, yeah. sacrificing his body, his brain. And now he gave quintet to the jiu-jitsu world, which everyone loved back in the day. So now for me, both in terms of I knew it would be great for our team and I know it's great for the sport. These are all the reasons I wanted want to do it. And also that Sakuraba's running the show. It really helps if you like the promoter of an organization. Yeah. A lot of organizations will have people that deserve to be told to go fuck themselves, yeah. but definitely not Sakuraba's crew. Yeah, so, that's a sick, sick promotion, man. I, I, I was up at four, but it was really fucking really fun to see i love the fucking mismatches you get like size wise and stuff and um yeah it just makes for a super exciting event overall yeah man i loved being a part of it hopefully uh get involved hopefully we'll be back so we i'm always thinking about like so creating a spectacle my own right so i remember thinking b team balls there's the inside joke there i won't need to go into that in details you know <laughs> that's the, what episode two if they want to go back to that joke. urban dictionary bull but that's the joke. <laughs> B-team balls. I was like, yo, we could come out looking like the Chicago balls, you know? And I remember like growing up watching Space Jam. I was obsessed. Well, the first ever sport I was into was basketball when I was really, really young. Yeah. And obviously if, if anyone's into basketball, we're fucking into the Chicago balls. And I always used to remember the iconic Alan Parsons project walkout mm -hmm. where they're playing it. And they're announcing the players one by one. So I was like, just thinking, I'm like, we got a five man team. Let's fucking use the Bulls uniform. We had, my, I had my friend Shane Adelaide design the sick design. They came out amazing. Scramble produced it at the last second. They produced it for all the teams, but obviously ours was last second because we were in last. I got the Alan Parsons Project music combined with the spectacle of the, of the walkouts for Japan. Like they put so much budget into that that we got the walkout. So I got to capture a bit of Genki pseudo energy. We're planning the walkouts. We're planning yeah. the designs, the looks, go out to the crowd. But it was super exciting walking out with the guys with the Alan Parsons project, like that iconic music playing. So I thought all of that contributed uh, to the spectacle of the entire event. Yeah, a lot of people were talking about the the Bulls rash guards and stuff. Uh, just looks so hit. good, right? Yeah, all you were missing was the jumpsuits that you just fucking rip off. Oh, yeah, we need the button-ups. I had a plan with Street X. We are going to do some button-ups. The plan was uh, Gabby Garcia match, hmm. full button-up stripper tracksuit. <laughs> I was going to have a – I was going to compete against her in a, a man thong or some fucking banana hammocks and just <laughs> boom, yeah. boom, and then Get take the down the beast, you know? <laughs> But sadly, she's robbed us of that opportunity. Um, but yeah, like I said, Joseph. Joseph killed it. Joseph went against Dude, Tarek. Fuck. Yeah. You know a guy's good when there's a move named after him, the Tarek Aplata? John's took that move and he said, fuck you, I'm cool to the legs, Gamora. <laughs> but during our matches, Tarek was talking shit on the sideline. So immediately after our thing, I went up to him and was like, bro, I'm calling it the legs, Gamora now. Get fucked. <laughs> you know, it's no longer the Tarek Aplata. So. Fuck you, Tarek. Uh, Dude, Joseph looked amazing in that match, man. Joseph, 19-year-old like, brown belt. Yeah. Tarek, 
He's was been a, a brown belt for 17 brown belt before he became a black belt. So super well established. Yeah, yeah. Not a tactical guy. Uh, I watched him at trials on the weekend. But yeah, I'm not going to go too much into details about European trials. Um, just three guys. To, like real, We had some guys go out there. So I don't, I'll try not to forget Deagle, Cam Donnelly, uh, Declan Moody, Joseph, Joseph Chen, Chris Wojcik. Yeah, Chris, Chris. I'm probably forgetting someone. I apologize. But yeah, again, really impressed with all those performances. Uh, Cam shocked everyone, beating, he submitted Sam McNally. Mm -hmm. Sam McNally beat Gary Tonin at ADCC. Massive props. This guy super impressed me. Um, But obviously, again, Joseph Chen. We've got to talk about the brackets, yo. Uh, I'm complaining about this, and this isn't a personal attack on Mo, because Mo had nothing to do with the ADCC European trials. But whoever did those brackets, that's fucking borderline. criminal. Criminal, exactly. (laughs) So the top four or five seeds in this division, maybe even six seeds. All right, so let's go through it. Taza, Taza. Tommy Langlanker, Joseph Chen, Mateusz Jasinski, Davis Asari, Uh, and Ellis Younger. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's the the top, yeah. Yeah. All of those guys except Taza were on one side (laughs) of the fucking bracket. Yeah. Like, I love that quote, never attribute to malice that which can adequately be explained by stupidity. Yeah. But this felt like deliberate. Or start, like, I remember looking at it and being like, wait a minute. Yeah. What, I was watching Joseph face, he had to face Shashinsky, who the, everyone's terrified of. Yeah, no one wants to fight that guy. Shashinsky broke the kid's ankle a last year, year. Yep. So he beats Shashinsky, and then we're like, who's next? Tommy Langlacker. He dominates Langlacker, passes him twice, takes his back, and then he has Taza. Taza's on the other side. Taza, uh, he had Marcus Fila. Marcus is yeah. really good, but he's not as established uh, as the other names in that division. Like, we could have had more balance. Taza should have faced Langlacker, Joseph, or Sashinsky before the finals. Mm-hmm. So they set this kid up for failure, yeah. but... He's a Chinese dragon. Got it done. Gets it done. So, like, I mean, again, with all that pressure at 19 years yeah. old, and, again, it's a B-team new wave final. Yeah, adds a lot of uh, stress to the situation. I'm not saying that only we feel the pressure. When a new wave guy faces a B-team guy, they know if they lose, they're yeah. getting a horrible text message after, probably demoted. telling them to jump off a building. Yeah. You know what I mean? But – they both feel the pressure, but again, Taza is so experienced. He's been at top of the game forever. Ever, yeah. Joseph, he's still quite raw. So he has to deal with that pressure. This is new pressure for yeah. him, and he still gets it done. This is what, his second trials ever? It's his second European trials ever. I believe it's his third Over. trials because he did the Asian the ones Asian too. Ones. Last time he lost to Sashinsky and Kenta. Mm-hmm. This time, luckily, and he has a German passport. A lot of people are angry about it. It's like, yeah. why? They're like fucking racist bastards. Like, why is this fucking... He's South African? Yeah, man. He's probably... He sounds like a spy built in a lab, eh? I was saying he's <laughs> fucking built in the Wuhan lab. But uh, yeah, he's... I think his mom's South African and his dad is... Uh, German? German. German. I think Thai from... And where's think, the, the Chen come from? Where's the Chinese connection come from? Well, I believe his dad, dad was actually born in Taiwan. Oh, shit. Okay. So, Okay. But he 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 resides um, in, Shanghai. in Shanghai, so he's got a gym in Shanghai and stuff. Yeah. Oh shit! But yeah, Joseph's yeah, a fucking are... legend. We love that kid. That's incredible. It's incredible what he's been able to do. I remember he first showed up at this gym at 17 years old, wow. traveling across the world by himself. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was like, 
What <laughs> the fuck are you doing? And then the first row we had, he shoulder crunch swept me. I was like, who the fuck is this kid? I'm like straight out of fucking training in Shanghai yeah. and he's this good. So I've been telling people forever what a prodigy this guy is. But sadly, that's said so often in this sport that it's kind of lost meaning. Yeah. But yeah, now you guys know, look what he's done. Like the, he is the real deal. Buys instructionals. He has them on Method MMA online. You better know some Chinese though. That's true. You better know some Chinese. <laughs> he is a man. But again, don't you don't have to buy him. You know, <laughs> Joseph Chen's a man that does not respect intellectual property rights. You know, <laughs> he's never bought one of my DVDs. Yeah, yeah. That's for damn sure. That's but so funny. Joe, but it's all paid off for him. He used the Chinese databases to access all of BJJ Fanatic's massive library. And look what he's capable of. Look what he's capable of at 19 years old. He's a fucking brain. When he was here, he did what, all three sessions, and then in between sessions would go home, eat lunch, and then watch instructionals. The kid just doesn't stop. And a natural athlete. He is a natural, 100%. A lot of people think they see him and look like he's got a massive fucking neck. He has like big traps and shit, but. Yeah, but yeah, he is natural. I tried to give him steroids. He wouldn't take it. You know, the kid (laughs) is natural. I wish he was on steroids, so I'd feel better about myself. You know, I'm just like, how is this kid's, genetics so yeah, fucking he's definitely good. built in a lab or some shit man i'm not yeah. sure yeah he's man something else and he was crazy he's gonna do well at 86 yeah. i like, believe so yeah. you would not like if you were an established invite uh you you don't want that you don't want that smoke first round that yeah. kid he's well-rounded <laughs> like most of the time you face off against a younger person and you're yeah. like all right he's incredible there let's put him in yeah. this area but joseph as you saw he's like winning from wherever All he positions wants. yeah passing is in- insane um, his wrestling's gotten really good. I think what helps him is he's going to go into ADCC and a lot of people are just going to look past him or like maybe he doesn't have a lot of stuff that people could watch, you know, not a lot of like competition footage as opposed to when you're like the top dog, people have been studying you and stuff, you know, so I feel like, yeah, he's going to make a splash uh, this year for sure at 77. Yeah, he's going to, man, but I, th- I do think he's going to get some buzz, you know, yeah. like it's going to be crazy. Out of all the winners from the tr- from the trials that just happened, he definitely got the biggest buzz. That's for yeah. sure. That's for sure, yeah. yeah. And I'm so happy about it too because Joseph is going to do 77 in ADCC Asian trials and we got Kenta and we got Jeremy Skinner in there. So mm-hmm. now it's at least two of my boys. Uh, Jeremy, Jeremy's trained here a bit. I've known Jeremy for years. Kenta, he flies the B-team flag. Kenta beat Joseph for the previous the trials. The previous one, yeah. They've trained together. They're really close friends. So I'm glad. I love it when it works out that um, friends, teammates, don't have to face each other. Jeremy's 66, right? He's doing 77. Oh, really? He's got him bigger. Oh, wow. Jeremy, actually, we should tell. I always feel funny telling the story, but just for an idea how scary this sport is, Jeremy was (laughs) drilling single legs, and the guy's shin grazed his nuts, like, Oh, not even hard. I remember this. And he's not swelled up to the size of a football. Ugh. And I, I fucking, he sent me the pictures. I was like, bro, that's fucking wild. wild. Luckily for me, I'm on so much testosterone. We've got these little, tiny, little fucking peanuts down there. So, I mean, if I hit him, good luck finding him. You know Fuck. what I mean? Jeez, man. Self-defense mechanism, keep him small. Interesting, he's moving up to 77. I wonder why. He did so good last year at 66. Tough cut for him. He's, he's, he's really? bigger. Yeah, he's bigger yeah he does anything. look like he's dying when he makes that cut. What, 
we yeah we won't go too much into the trial show yeah, it's pretty boring there's so. a there's a video on that coming out anyways yeah watch the breakdown we've got to talk about something else every time it gets close to a go to ryan match the trend rage comes out <laughs> yeah. and he's gone after nikki rod i don't even know what instigated this shit recently uh, i don't know but he's posted pictures of nikki rod like he, like this guy's insane he's like hey nikki rod <laughs> you i'm gonna we're gonna put you on water yeah you're gonna potentially be tested at 6 a.m 11 p.m yeah. like for, for those people that don't know when you're on water you have to write down Where your whereabouts at, yeah. at all times yeah and if you forget one time that's a, that's a that's a flag they yeah. flag you being like if, if you ask any ufc fighter it's so inconvenient yeah. to do that shit you imagine you just have to notify people of your whereabouts at all times yeah. and if you're not there you're in trouble gordon's asking nicky rod to do this for free <laughs> <laughs> he's saying just do it yeah. because you say you're clean yeah nikki rod got tested before and after the gordon ryan ufc fight pass invitational oh, really? match yeah. uh we never released the first results but they showed consistency with the second yeah. the second one when more plates more dates says something gordon agrees with he's like bang <laughs> I told you guys, you're all idiots. You're all fucking haters. You're all, you're all haters. You just don't understand. But then when he says Nicky Rod's clean, he goes, no, this guy does not know yeah. what he's talking about. This guy's yeah. absolutely wrong. That's true. So, yeah. it's man, it's crazy. I'm telling you, you don't believe me, but like uh, plenty of people I've trained with, we openly discuss steroid use. Nicky Rod's never discussed it, never admitted it. I've never... I heard him bring it up. I mean, I mean, sometimes he goes too far. He's like, what is a steroid? Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's Nicky <laughs> Rod. He doesn't DNA. know when dinosaurs <laughs> were around. Oh, fuck. But, but like, what's so funny to me about this, right, is Gordon Ryan, the greatest Nogi <laughs> Grapper of all time, probably the most financially successful athlete, not businessman in the sport, sits at home looking at half-naked pictures of Nicky Rod to post, to compare his body shape from this time to this time. I'm assuming he keeps folders of <laughs> Nicky Rod pictures where Nicky Rod Shirtless. looks out of shape, yeah. where he looks jacked, and like he's assessing Nicky Rod's figure. That's fucking gay. <laughs> what are you doing? Bro? Imagine yeah, pretty weird. you're like, you think fucking... Your missus is like, what are you doing? And you're just like, you're like seriously, look at Rod. He's fucking jacked here. <laughs> First of all, that would be a mistake. Don't show your partner's pictures of Nicky Rod shirtless. You're asking for trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, but yeah, I don't know. That, that shit cracks weird, me up. Hey. I woke I, up and then I saw his stories and it was like, like, a, like you, you could tell it's like, a, like seven, eight dots and they're little and you're like, oh shit, here we go. And I was trying to see if you guys did something to cause that, but you guys were good. You guys were on your best behavior. We all just woke up, and he was, like, attacking Nicky Rod. Like, oh, no, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. <laughs> out of nowhere. That's never, so weird. You never know what's going to set him off. So he attacks us. All the comments are like, you're an idiot. And then he goes, <laughs> see, that's it. I'm not giving anyone from yeah. B-team attention yeah. anymore. <laughs> I literally was reading it. I was in a cab in Tokyo hammered drunk <laughs> oh my God. and this is fucked up because he wrote take a steroid test so first time i commented on his post and i said take an iq test but i'm drunk and i'm like yo i said seth does this look right he's like no it should be take a iq test so i change it <laughs> and the fucking grammar's wrong but it still fucking hits home you know if he i think that's a fair trade he does iq tests nikki rod does water testing
Yeah, that that's actually a hilarious comment. Um, <laughs> he has to do the IQ test at any point, six a.m. or yeah, be great. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly don't understand why he thinks his proposal for Nikki to do that is like a normal thing to ask anybody. You know, yeah. it's like what, like what does Nikki Rod get out of this? He yeah, he get gets yeah. nothing out of it. <laughs> yeah. He just more plates, more dates is the biggest bro science yeah. channel on YouTube. Yeah. And this guy vouches for Nicky Rod. Dude, he did it like a 24-hour notice. Like, he fucking... Yeah, no notice. Yeah, that's... Dude, I, yeah, I don't understand how Gordon sits there and it's like, oh, this is a logical move. Yeah, I don't know who he's consulting with these decisions. Uh, there's I absolutely fucking, no way he's consulting anybody. I hate always talking about this guy, but it's like... Like, obviously, he's the best athlete ever, but the reason people talk about him so much is because you discuss what could possibly be going on with this guy's brain half the time you know yeah. it's like it's a fascinating thing to get into it's just the shit he does doesn't make sense yeah it's just bizarre pretty weird man pretty weird but speaking of gordon connecting gordon um yuri samos so when i was in uh i don't want to say who this was but one of a guy showed up to yuri samos gym wearing b-team gear and yuri's like you can't wear that here cover it up or you can't train here and i'm like what the fuck did we do to yuri so much yeah yeah i mean have you done have you said anything no i don't think so i don't think so and then he called me out for a match we would never discriminate against a yuri samos t-shirt first of all hard to find they don't exist (laughs) hard to find but yeah then he called me out for a match implying i was scared of him i want i don't want the smoke honestly i don't even want to get into the contractual obligations of different shows and stuff but i push flow flow were like who do you want to compete against and this is going back six months and i was like yo yuri's the adcc champ let's do that match flow took forever to say. first they tried to tell me yuri wasn't interested mm-hmm. which based on him calling me out yeah. unlikely yeah and then they took so long to send me the contract i made other plans Sometimes working, and I'm not just targeting flow here, sometimes when we're booking matches with these shows, like I have a crazy schedule. I have so many opportunities, so many things to do. For me to commit to a match, like for me to commit to Quintet, I'm actually losing money. I make much more money doing things that aren't competition. So when these guys say, hey, here's a contract for a match four weeks from now, I'm like, I'm booked. I've got shit on. So I really just demand three months' notice, a lot of the time just for scheduling. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we, I tried to push for the Yuri Savos match. We tried to push for it. I tried to lock it down for June. Flo dropped the ball never got me the contract, so it didn't happen. Now he's asking me to compete at an ADCC event in Singapore. Singapore. What, are they going to pay me five fucking dollars? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's an ADCC tournament. Like an open or like the it's a yeah it's an ADCC. He's like let's do a super fight at the like bro brother. Oh, he's cooked. I'm he's like, got to be on trend I'm as well. <laughs> not doing that, you know. Like I mean, I don't. I'm not going to give away the purse. What purse I take, but like they're definitely not paying that at the yeah, open. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't think the I sound like an asshole saying this, but again, no man. But come on, I like, would love to face you. You're the ADCC absolute champion. He's won 99 kilos. He's won 88 kilos. He's done all these things yeah. I haven't done. It would be a fun match. Price has to be right. 
It can't be on the Naga World Championships, man. Face me at the Naga Atlantic City. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I got no... I like Yuri. I've I talked to him at ADCC and shit, so I don't know why he's banning B-team gear. Yeah. Why he's like, I mean, he's boys with Mason. Do you have beef with Mason? Nah, me and Mason are long past it, you know? Like, yeah. uh, I see he jokes with you online and stuff. He'll comment. Yeah, Mason's funny. Mason's yeah. a funny guy. I haven't seen him for a while. Yeah, yeah. Hasn't competed in a while. Me um, and Mason only got weird, right? Because... Um, after we had those two matches, so many of my fans were talking shit to him. Same thing happened with Ty Rotolo, actually. Sometimes people that are fans of you uh, deliver messages yeah. to your opponent, like on social media. And then your opponent interprets that it's, as it's if you. it's coming from you. And you're like, whoa, bro, you, yeah. like, you can't listen yeah. to what the fans are saying. Yeah, yeah. And then we, I know it was weird, but we're fucking totally cool now. There's not really too many people like comp- comp- personal competition yeah. competitors that I have any beef with. Dude, it's literally grappling. Like, it's grappling, yeah. So <laughs> it's not that serious. I have more problems with the women that slap me in Japan than I do, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. That's odd. Yeah, he must be, Yuri must be like uh, starting a cycle up again or something. I, like, I don't know. I don't know what I did to him. For like, to I ask you on an open, I didn't know that part. <laughs> yeah, it was the ADCC Singapore. That's a tournament. Like, that's not a super fight show. Yeah, yeah. That's just a fucking open. That's so funny, dude. That's he, but he, did, he, he said he wants practice for Gordon because Gordon, that, that's going to come up quick. But it's like, hey, can I be fucked? I mean, fuck, I live a yeah. long way from Asia. Yeah, yeah. Do it again. It's not like a promotion. It's a fucking open. Yuri, again, accomplishment-wise beast yeah. what he's been able to do in the sport beast but in terms of like sports entertainment what it would do like that would be a personal to beat you would be a personal accomplishment but it wouldn't necessarily like i'm not going to double my dvd sales yeah you know like yeah. so again i don't know i, I don't know i'm probably going to compete december i'm negotiating a match for this december but there's definitely other things i kind of want to do at this point you know like i'm like uh i always i always dance around retirement i'm not retiring if the money's right, if it's a good opportunity for the team, little things like that. Sometimes I'll compete because I can say, hey, you book me for this event, you give me three of my guys on the undercut. Mm-hmm. You know, little things like that. That leverage is what you want in this sport. And that's what you see a lot of fighters do, a lot of big name fighters like McGregor's Israel. Yeah, yeah. They help the boys on their team get signed to the UFC, you know? Those are the reasons I like to compete these days because I could potentially. Yeah. Like we got Joseph Chen on WNO. Yeah. He was meant to face Varela. Varela pulled out. That would be a sick match to actually rebook. <laughs> but like we, that's part of the reason I do want to still compete is to help these guys. Yeah. Leverage my name to give these guys opportunities. But yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No, that makes sense as well. Like, I mean, the quintet was like, Last minute, but bro, such a good opportunity for everybody involved. Like you said, it's quintet. Like it's got to that, be something that's worth it. That's too. That too. Quintet. I saw. I still believe is one of the best ways we can grow this sport. So when quintet comes calling, and I see I can use my competition, my name, yeah. to grow the sport for the better, that's I'm going to jump on it. No brainer. Yeah, it's a no brainer for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, again, pretty cool to see a, like a guy like Joseph do that the week before trials as well, which is fucking sick, you know. Good to see Nikki Ryan back out there again competing. Yeah, Nikki J, American trials coming up. Yeah. But that's that's probably it. We finished on a sour note, but the whole yeah. thing was pretty sick. Remember, boys, run trend, <laughs> not trains.
Thank you for listening to the segundo podcast. Don't forget, Fat Cry Jones. <laughs>